This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for tonight. We want to thank you for what you're doing in this conference. We want to thank you, Father, for giving us this day. This day was made for us to worship and to praise and to honor you. And we do that, dear sir. We thank you so much for giving us Jesus. We thank you for giving us a precious Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that tonight that you'll rise up big within me. You'll think through my mind speak through my lips of clay. And I declare I'm a servant ready to be used by the master tonight. And I thank you. I'll speak your word clearly, accurately, carried by the wind of the Spirit boldly today. And I thank you, Father, fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise up in the heart of your people. We'll be encouraged tonight. We'll be motivated tonight. We can do this, Father, because you are on our side. And I thank you tonight, Father, we not only get to be hearers of the Word, but we doers of the Word in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. And you may be seated. Glory to God. Well, as you know, family, we all know that the world is facing severe challenges. However, in the middle of it all, God has not forgotten us. He has not been he is not uh, caught off guard by all the chaos that is going on. He's not confused about our future. He has not lost his power. He is still with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. And he is going to lead us until we are completed our assignment. And the bottom line is we are all here on an assignment. Right, family? Elizabeth the second was a queen of the United Kingdom from 6th of February, 1952 until her death on September the 8th, 2022. Her reign of 70 years, 214 days was the longest of any British monarch. But I want to read you some of the words that she said. She said, how I wish that the Lord would come in my lifetime. Why, asked the chaplain. The queen replied with quivering lips and her whole countenance lighted up with deep emotion. And she said, I should so love to leave my crown at his feet. The day she passed on, she went to see her king of kings and her lord of lords. But the day she passed on, there was a double rainbow above Buckingham Palace. She had run a race with dignity and grace. She kept the teachings of Jesus close to her heart. And she finished her assignment well. And that is the goal for each and every one of us, to finish our assignment well, right? And for those of us who love the Lord and living for the Lord, heaven is our final destination and heaven is our forever home. But the question I want to ask tonight is, how are we living out our days on planet earth? Are we wasting our lives and time on things that steal our relationship with the Lord? Are we being distracted? Or are we being like the five wise virgins who are awake, 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 and not awoke, awoke, awoke? Right? <laughs> the Bible tells us to be ready. Luke 10, 19 in the ESV version says, calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minus. 
And he said to them, engage in business until I come. That's what Jesus said. He said, engage in business until I come. In other words, we should align ourselves and our lives with a master's assignment or mission for our life. So the title of my message is Occupy Till I Come. And I hope this message will inspire you that no matter what the future holds, we know who holds a future. And we'll face a future confidently without fear because we put our trust in God. So let's focus our future with faith in God, peace in our hearts. God is a unique roadmap for each and every one of us to follow. And He knows in which direction we should go. So this message is for the young people who are starting out in their lives. And some have come to me and said, Pastor Bev, with all the teaching of the end times, should we continue in school? Should we go to college? Well, should I get married? Should I have children? Should I have business? And the answer is yes, 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 and yes. We have got to continue and occupy until Jesus comes. This, is a, this message is also for everyone in, in between ages. And you say, okay, what about me now? Well, God is going to give you a fresh start from today in Jesus' name. And then what about those who are my age, who are a little more mature in age? Well, God is not finished with us yet. While we have breath in our lungs, we can work for our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. So we have to have vision for our future. Abraham dreamed of a great nation, yet he was childless. God told Moses to go and free the people while they were still in slavery. Joshua believed Canaan was his promised land, even though there were giants in it. David dreamed of a temple for the Lord, and Daniel had a glimpse of a future kingdom. Peter was called to establish the church. So all these stories still inspire and motivate us today. So what is our next step? I believe that God wants to do a fresh new thing in all of our lives. In the coming days, uh, in the years ahead of us. A compelling example is Fred Lunsford. One of the soldiers who stormed Normandy's beaches on D-Day 1944. After the war, he became a pastor in the mountains of North Carolina, where he pastored for 70 years. Babe, where did he go? 70 years. We have only been doing it for 44 years. <laughs> We've still got a little ways to go. And when Fred was 93, he became very ill. His wife now had already gone home to be with the Lord, and he decided, I'm 93. I think I'm going to go home to be with the Lord and see my wife. But so he said, Lord, I'm ready to come home. And the Lord said, um, it's not time for you to come home yet. And the Lord said, and the Fred said, Lord, why? Why are you leaving me on earth? And he said, the Lord told him that he was leaving him on earth to pray for a spiritual awakening for America and for the world. From that moment on, Reverend Lunsfield has earnestly prayed for a spiritual awakening, awakening for America and around the world. He has been gathering pastors and people to come alongside him to pray. And the goal, his goal is to have one million people committed to pray for America and for the world. 
It is now 2022. He is 96 years of age and he is still going strong. He has now a quarter of a million people praying with him for a mighty revival. He's trusting God for a book of Acts revival to change America and the world. So never think for one moment that you're too old or too young to get your next steps from the Lord. Say, I'm never too young and I'm never too old to work for the Lord. Isn't that right, San Antonio? Isn't that right, Cape Town? Shout a big amen if you agree. Well, we all know the story of Nehemiah. He was a Jewish official. He was serving in the Persian king about a thousand miles from Jerusalem which at the time was a ruined city. The Babylonians had destroyed Israel and Jerusalem, but several thousand Hebrew settlers had finally returned to rebuild the temple and reestablish a Jewish presence there. One day, Nehemiah's brother and a few other men arrived from Jerusalem with the devastating news that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and that the gates were burned with fire. Now the walls of Jerusalem were originally built to protect the borders from intrusions. So Nehemiah, when he heard this, that his city was in trouble and broken down, he was so troubled and affected by it that he went to pray earnestly for his city. And he took ownership for his city because his city was in ruins. And so out of his deep prayer time, God gave him a dream. And the dream in his heart was that he should go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It seemed like an impossible dream. It seemed like an impossible assignment. But we serve an impossible God, right? A God of the impossible. I want us to note that Nehemiah got was going around his daily business. He was going around every day doing his duties when he heard about the news and then he went to pray. It was during his prayer time that he got the desire to rebuild the broken walls. So where did he get his next steps from? Where did he get his marching orders from? Time with God. And God planted in his heart to go and fix this city. And when I started reading this and studying this, I wonder how many of us have got that in our hearts that we have got to take responsibility for our cities. Are we going to wait for everyone else to fix our cities, our broken walls, our broken people, our broken roads? Or are we as Christians and pastors, we're going to say that city is my territory and I'm going to make sure that I'll rebuild the walls and I'm going to take care of my city and the people inside my, my city. The truth of the matter, if we go through life frustrated, we don't know what to do, where to go, it's because we haven't spent time with the Lord. Because the Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. So I believe God wants to put a fresh dream in your heart. Nehemiah, Nehemiah believed that God put it in his heart to rebuild the walls. His heart was open to receive. Our hearts are like fertile soil and God will plant his ideas into our heart. And when we pray, it's like watering those seeds. 
Psalm 25 verse 4 says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. So it's never too early or too late to ask God, what is next for me? And family, you're not washed out. You're not a has-been or going to be. And God wants to ignite a new fire in the side of you right now in Jesus' name. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. In, the hearts of, in, the heart, in their hearts, verse 9, humans plan their course, but it's the Lord that establishes their steps. So Nehemiah knew that he had to return to Jerusalem and he had to build the walls and now he had to mobilize, encourage people to help him to fix his city. But for him to go, he had, he had to get permission from his boss, which was the Persian king, and the boss had to show him supernatural favor. And so what did Nehemiah do? He's such a wonderful man and a man of prayer. So he went to God to pray about it. And then while he was praying about it, I believe the Lord spoke to his boss. And his boss gave him supernatural um, favor because not only did he give him permission to go and rebuild the walls of the city, but he gave him provisions to go and help him build the walls and the gates of his city. That is called supernatural favor when your boss gives you time off and he still pays you to go and do what you want to do. That's supernatural favor. And I declare over you that God will give you supernatural favor and supernatural provision in the name of Jesus. And San Antonio, I say supernatural provision to you and Cape Town, supernatural provision for you also in Jesus' name. Give the Lord praise in the house. <laughs> Nehemiah 2.8 says, and because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my request. We know the story of how he gathered the people together and he went to build the city. But let's have a look at Nehemiah's confession of faith. He declared with confidence, he said, the God of heaven will give us success. He is a man of faith and he was confessing good things over his life. So come on, San Antonio, come on, Cape Town, come on, Johannesburg. Let's say the same thing together. Let's say the God of heaven will give me success in Jesus' name. But don't think for one moment, family, that when we get our mission and our assignment from God, there's not going to be opposition. Sanballat and Tobias were rulers in two of the Persian provinces that surrounded Jerusalem. They were enemies of Nehemiah. In fact, they hated the Jewish people. They were threatened by his success and did not want Jerusalem to become a strong, well-defended city. The prosperity of their own provinces would be affected if the trade routes and economic advantages now shifted in Jerusalem's direction. So they began their opposition by mocking and ridiculing Nehemiah and his builders, all the people he encouraged to come with him to build the walls. And so they did everything in their power to discourage them and, and try and get Nehemiah to quit and get his assignment to be uh, defeated so he couldn't succeed what God had called him to do. But that's just like the devil, isn't it, family? When God gives us an assignment, the devil immediately sends people to us that they're trying to discourage us or trying to get us to get out of the assignment that God has given to us. 
Doesn't that sound like familiar? Well, God has given you an assignment. It might seem like an impossible task, but if God says go and do it, then we know that the favor of God is on us. The provision of God is on us. But Satan will try and come steal, kill, and destroy. Destroy your faith. Destroy your, your people around about you. Try and get them discouraged so that you can't succeed in what God has called you to do. But Nehemiah, although he faced an impossible task, he had to overcome many obstacles and significant enemy opposition if he was going to succeed. One thing I love about Nehemiah, he never quit. Say, I must never quit. We must never quit no matter what the challenges we face. So let's have a look at some of the challenges that Nehemiah faced. Number one, he had to overcome mockery and taunting. Nehemiah 4, 1 says Sanballat was very angry and he learned that when, when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall, he flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble uh, Jews think that they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a day if they offer enough sacrifices? How many of us can relate to that? God gives us an assignment, but before we even get out the starting block, the enemy will send somebody to us to discourage us, to tell us why we're never going to make it, why we don't have the resources, we don't have the, the uh, education, we don't have um, what it takes, we don't have, we're not capable, we don't have the education, we don't have the skill. And so Satan will send people to try and discourage us. In the Bible, mockery is a behavior and the attitude of a fool. In the New Testament, no one was mocked and disrespected more than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The chief priests and scribes and elders they mocked Jesus. Herod and his soldiers mocked him, as did the Roman soldiers when they stripped him of his purple cloak. The hatred of God spilled out to his followers as well, and Nehemiah was one of God's sons who was taunted and mocked. But how did Nehemiah overcome mockery? He did not retaliate. He did not get a committee together and decide how he was going to retaliate in the flesh. Instead, he went to God in prayer. And that is how we should respond when people come against us and they mock us and they taunt us and they tell us why we'll never get done, why our assignment will never work. And they can tell us we don't have the right skill and education, we're not capable. Well, we must not respond in the flesh, but we've got to respond in the spirit. Nehemiah 4.4 said, then I prayed, hear, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. Verse 4 says, may their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. In other words, he was saying, Lord, let them reap what they sow. And what does the Bible say? In Galatians 6, 7, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. So the best thing we can do when we are mocked is just to pray and ask God to sort them out, and he will. You know, in the first 15 years of our ministry, we had a Sam Ballot and a Tobias. We were mocked, we were ridiculed, and uh, they spoke very badly about us, especially my husband's integrity. 
And you know, I'm like a mama bear. You touch me, you touch my husband, you touch my, my children, and a bear will rise and come out. It's like the lioness will arise. And so I just thought, well, I would like to deal with it in the flesh and go and either, you know, speak to the, my Tobias and Sam Ballot, or I, got, I know people that know people that know people <laughs> that know how to deal with these people. And, you know, I always say to my husband, babe, I can sort them out. I know people who know people who know people. And my husband said, Bev, let God fight our battles for us. And for 15 years, he taught me how not to respond in the flesh, but to respond in the spirit by praying. And God will sort them out for us. And God did sort them out for us. But we have to remain faithful and determined to finish what God has put in our hearts because God will fight our battles for us in Jesus' name. Challenge number two. Nehemiah received threats of violence from his enemies. Nehemiah 4 verse 7 says, when Balat, Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard the work was going ahead, they became furious and they made plans to come out and fight against Jerusalem to bring about confusion. So what did Nehemiah do when five clans came against him and threatened him? Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He went back to prayer. He also guarded the city day and night. So what do we do when our ministries, our businesses, our homes, our families, our children, our cities, what do we do when they are being threatened? We need, no, need to learn how to fight on our knees in prayer. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Then call to me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me the glory. Call to me. That's what God is saying. Call to me and I will rescue you. He didn't say, you know, I won't be able to do it. This time the job is too hard for me. He said, I will rescue you. So family, and we will give him all the glory, right? So Nehemiah was a man who depended on heavily on the Lord for his protection. And so should we. And thank God we've got Psalm 91 and the angels of God encamp around us and protect us in all our ways. No evil will befall us. Neither shall any hijacking, carjacking, murder, virus come near or a break-in or anything come near our dwelling or our families in Jesus' name. So that's how he overcame violence. Challenge number three, how do we overcome discouragement and fear? Nehemiah 4.12 says the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. In fact, another translation says that the enemies kept on going to Nehemiah's people and saying to them, we are going to come when you're not uh, suspecting us. Ten times they say, we are going to come from different ways and we're going to wipe you out. They kept on saying that. And Nehemiah then saw how discouraged his people were coming uh, because of all the threats and how fear was gaining ground among the people. So they then he took action. Number one, his first priority was again to make sure the people knew how to pray. And then he posted armed guards. Thank you, Lord, for the armed guards for protection and encouraged the people to remember how great and awesome is their God. 
And I want to read Nehemiah 4.14 because it is a phenomenal verse. And it says, Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the leaders and the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. And that is a word for someone today. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your friends and fight for your, your families and your home. So Nehemiah gave them three instructions. Instruction number one, don't be afraid of the enemy. And that's true for us today. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. Glory to God. Jeremiah 1.19 says, they will fight against you, but they will not overcome you for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Glory to God. So family, we can be unafraid in frightening situations. Because God is with us. Number two, Nehemiah said, hey, everyone, remember the Lord. Remember how great he is. Remember how awesome he is. He made the heavens. He made the earth. He holds the world in his hands. There's no God like our God. Remember our God. Isaiah 40 verse 26 says, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after the other, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single star is missing. No one can compare to our God. He's almighty. He's everlasting. He's all-powerful. We must never forget who we serve. Number three, fight for our families. I love that Nehemiah challenged the people to fight for their families. Our families are worth fighting for. We live in an age where you can get divorced at the drop of a hat, and the world is desperately trying to bring, uh, pull our families apart. Now, the truth of the matter is no one likes to be in a loveless relationship or marriage. But guess what, family? We can do something about it. Number one, if you want to, if you're married and you know there's no spark left, how about start dating one another again? Make time for your husband. Make time for your wife. Make time for your children. And when you're with your husband or your wife or your kids, Please, family, put that darn phone away. Do you know if you go to a restaurant today, the kids are on the phone, the husband's on the phone, and the wife is texting. Then you think, why in the world did you come and have a family dinner when you are not even going to talk to one another? Ladies, do you want to know how to be happy in a relationship? Find a man who loves you. Find a man who will buy you gifts. <laughs> Find a man who will make you laugh. Find a man who will take to your restaurants. Find a man who's going to make you happy. 
And the way to stay happy is don't let any of the five men ever meet each other. joking. <laughs> okay, and look, men, if you want to impress a girl, take her flowers. But if you haven't taken her flowers for a long time, then take smelling salts with you in case she faints. <laughs> and husbands, if you go to your wife and say to her, you know, darling, what would you like for your birthday? And, you, and she says, I want something shiny that goes from naught to 130 in like 30 seconds. Don't buy her a bathroom scale. <laughs> you know, we spirit, soul, and body. Communicate with each other. Love each other. Be kind to each other. Build a life with each other. It's so important to fight for our families and relationships. If your children are not serving the Lord, fight for them on, on your knees. Pray for them in the spirit and the Lord will bring them home. Fight for your kids because we live in an age which is so confusing in a culture that is trying to confuse our children. We're living in a culture that we as parents never had to deal with when we were younger. Now they can go to school, and if they don't feel like they're a girl, they can maybe think they can be a boy. I've never been to the bush where I've seen a grown lion, a male lion, think it was a female. The grown male lion knows what his job is. He's patrolling his area. He's patrolling his camp. His, his little family is inside and is protecting them. Let us not be confused who we are in Christ Jesus. If God is, whatever God has made us, that is who we are. And if you're confused, look in the mirror and see your parts. And that will tell you who you are. And do not let your children try and make up their minds. That is ridiculous. And it's so ungodly. It is so ungodly. The Bible says that Jesus was the Son of God. The Bible's not confused. You're either born a man or you're born a woman. There's nothing in between. It's, it's the truth. And you know, the thing is this, as born again believers, we need to stand up for the truth because the reason why our schools and everything is a and such a mess is because we have not taken our positions as born again believers and prayed the ungodly out. It's the truth. Nehemiah 4.23 says, During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the gods who were with me, ever took off our clothes. 
Okay, that's not a bad thing. But then we carried our weapons with us all the time. We carried our weapons with us all the time. Nehemiah is saying, come on, family, be ready. Be battle ready to, to protect your family, to defend yourselves. Get ready to fight for our cities. We need to fight for our cities in prayer. We need to go and be on school boards. We need to go and try, go to the, com the community and see what we can do to fix our cities. We can't wait for the government to fix our cities. We are the born again believers. We should be the light in the earth. We are the salt. We must be ready to fight the good fight of faith. Using our spiritual weapons, we must be fully clothed with spiritual armor. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says we use God's mighty weapons, not merely worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. We can absolutely demolish the strongholds that come against our families, that come against our children, that come against our cities or our nations. But we've got to learn to pray on our knees, do battle on our knees, and the King of Kings will come through for us. I'll never forget what Kenneth Hagin Sr. once said. He said, I see a horde of demons coming out the sea and they're coming on America to destroy America. But God said to him, I'm not holding the government responsible for the condition of the nations. I'm holding the church responsible for the condition of the nations. So how, how are we doing? How are we doing? We're failing family. When kids don't know if they're male or female, when we have all sorts of things going on, you can, it's okay, you can get self-help books to divorce in like six weeks or even overnight. We're not to be immersed in the culture, we are to change the world, to change the world to the word of God. No matter how our assignment is and how challenging it is, we can accomplish it because greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And we put our trust in God and our faith in God. You know, I read about this true story of a man who loved the Lord. He achieved the impossible dream. For generations, scientists claimed that to run a mile in under four minutes was physically impossible. The well-documented research of the day proved that the oxygen deficit that would build up in a human body would be too great. In other words, the body would begin to shut down due to lack of oxygen, and the runner would be at risk of death. But a British man, a student by the name of Roger, Sp Roger Bannister, he set out to prove them wrong. Using his medical background, Bannister knew the key to breaking the four-minute mile, was to manage his oxygen level throughout the race. The critics said it was impossible and it could never be done. Roger began measuring his oxygen during training, and he learned that, when he, that he used less oxygen when he ran consistent lap times than when he altered his pace. And if he was going to break the world record, he would need to run at, a, at the same speed for each of the four laps. After months of training, on May the 6th, 1954, at a track meet in Oxford University, Roger laced up his running shoes and did what was previously declared impossible. He ran a mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. His achievement became front page news around the world. 
The unbreakable record, the impossible barrier had been broken. It was a breathtaking achievement. Think about it, a goal that had been pursued for decades and regarded by experts as simply impossible was finally achieved only to be broken six weeks later, then broken three more times later the same year. Today, even high school students can beat that record. After the race, he remained a compassionate medical doctor and a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2018, he died at the age of 88. But God will give you the strength and the strategy to overcome the impossible, just like he did for Nehemiah and just like he did for Roger. Nehemiah and the residents of Jerusalem finished building the wall in only 52 days. Only God could have done that. And Nehemiah gave God all the praise. When the walls were dedicated, great choirs of uh, marched around and they were just singing and worshiping the Lord. Nehemiah 12 verse 43 says, And on that day they offered great sacrifice sacrifices rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and the children are also rejoicing. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. There is nothing like joy watching God bring a dream come to pass. After praying, working, fasting, believing, obeying God, we give all God all the glory for this building. We give God all the glory when we recently remodeled the, the mall. Family, we can accomplish the assignment that God has for us. We can break through the impossible barriers. We can achieve anything with God's help. We can go forward facing our future with faith, peace, hope, and joy because we know we put our trust in the living God. The good news is that Jesus is still Lord of Lords. He's Jesus is the head of the church. He's still our Savior. He's still our Redeemer. He is our Creator. He's a wonderful Counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Glory. He's the King of Kings. He's the King of the Jews. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's a good shepherd. He's our rock. He's our word. He is a bright in the morning star. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the King of Israel. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's coming back for a glorious church. And that is our saints. He is God. He's Emmanuel with us. And He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So let us rejoice and be glad because Jesus is with us. And we are more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Wow. Praise God. As I told you, she's a preaching machine. A preaching machine. And you know, just turn her loose. Wind her up, turn her loose. Boy, I'm telling you. Folks have said to me, you know, Apostle Theo with married to Apostle Bev, you never have a dull moment, eh? I said, you're right, I'm praying for one. <laughs> <laughs> but now she said to me after she saw Apostle Patrick jump on his back here 
She said, what can I do to beat that? She said, why don't you stand on the bottom platform? I'll run and dive on you. She said, right, that's not going to happen. So I thought she was going to dive off there. Anyway, praise the Lord. I wouldn't put her past. If I said yes, praise, she would have been into that idea. <laughs> anyway, praise God. Are you glad you came? Now, tomorrow night, um, practical solutions. How to avoid being trapped in the 666 spider wherever the Antichrist. Practical solutions tomorrow night. What to do. God has a step-by-step plan for us to survive and succeed when all hell is breaking loose. We will overcome. We will overcome. Oh yeah, we will overcome. Every one of us will succeed. But we do have to be alert and ready. So don't miss it. It's also going to be strictly no cell phones, you can bring them, but turn them off, power them down. Because I will be saying some things that are very controversial. I have to give you the facts of what's going on. Otherwise, you won't take it seriously. But I'll tell you what's going on, you will take it seriously. So don't miss tomorrow night. I'm going to just tell you right now, if you want to get in this building, you need to get you early. Because we're going to be packed out. I believe it's going to be the biggest crowd we've had up till now, including Sunday morning when we couldn't get the people on the property. So please come early. Don't avoid disappointment, especially you that have been so faithfully attending. you got a heads up, all right? Plus, we're having a party after the message. We'll be dropping 7,500 balloons. We're dropping seven, that's almost twice as much as before. 7,500 balloons will fall from the ceiling tomorrow night. And we'll have a great party here, okay? Um, And then tomorrow, do you want to know who the speakers are for tomorrow? During the day? Uh, Where's my Bible? It's in there, it's in my Bible. Thank you. All right. Apostle Nikki van der Vestesen. Dr. David Maluzzi. Pastor Graham Patterson. And Pastor Joseph Mishlingu. How do I say it? Mishlongu, Dr. Joseph Mishlongu. All right, praise God. So those are the speakers in the afternoon and then yours truly in the evening. Uh, Good. And then I am going to sign books right now. Sign books right now. Let's pray. Close your eyes, please, everybody. Bow your heads. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going. I hope to go to heaven. Can you help me, please? Yes, I can. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you, I'm going to count to three. If you'll lift your hand up to signal to God that you want God to speak to you, 
He will. And He'll confirm to your heart that you are going to heaven, that you are God's child. If that's what you want tonight. So I'm going to count to three before I pray. Slip your hand up if you want to be sure you're going to heaven. There you go. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Now somebody's coming and put their hand on your shoulder to let you know we love you. And Jesus loves you while I pray this little prayer. Go ahead, leaders. All right. Somebody put their hand up over here. I don't know if you saw them. All right. Everybody, please say this little prayer with me, especially those who raised their hands. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him that I could be forgiven. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Praise you, Jesus. I declare you are my Savior and my Lord. And I'll serve you with all my heart till I see you face to face. Thank you, Jesus. I believe I am a child of God now. I'm bound for heaven. God's my Father. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.